uh, book of the Bible once we have left the law and the prophets. So, so let's get uh, out of the law. It'll be the sixth book in your Bible. Uh, we're going to be in Joshua. We're going to start in chapter 1 for just a second. Then we're going to jump to Joshua chapter 10. So if you want to flip, go ahead and go to Joshua chapter 10. That's where we're going to spend the, the bulk of our time in Scripture today. <coughs> Everybody with us? Good deal. So we're in Joshua chapter 1. It says verse in verse 5, No man will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will not abandon you, and I will not leave you. So the girls right before, uh, before service started, they were in Numbers chapter 14. And that was a direct promise that, that God had made to Moses. So that same promise that was made to Moses. Uh, <coughs> knows, so Moses went up. On the mountain, you know what I'm saying? For 40 years they've been wandering in the wilderness. So all they got to do is fake it. They just got to make it 40 more days, guys, right? 40 more days. And we've covered this on Wednesday nights. But what happens is people lose their mind, right? So they can't make it that last 40 days. As Moses goes up to receive the Ten Commandments, what ends up happening is they literally take earrings, melt earrings down, make a golden calf because they couldn't wait 40 days. So Joshua and Caleb are one one of each, there are two, of the 12 spies that Moses sent to actually look into the promised land. So 10 of them come back with, let's be honest, like the most negative report. Like, I don't know what God you've been talking to, but like that ain't happening, bro. Like that is not happening. I know that you have said God told you that this is ours, but I think he was talking to a different God because we can't do that. See, they've been wandering around. They're, they're what are called nomads, right? They're sojourners, meaning they have no home. They just wander from place to place. And they put down their tent wherever the Lord might find them that night. So they go in and they see places like Jericho. Anybody know anything about Jericho from history? There are just these huge, just solidified walls around, its, around the city. They've never seen anything like this since they left Egypt, right? And when they left this in Egypt, they saw similar things. It was oppression that, they, that that represented to them, right? It was it was a negative connotation that that meant to them. So all of a sudden, when, when Joshua and Caleb go into the same promised land that, that God had promised Moses, they go and see it, and they see promise, and they see opportunity, right? They see that God has provided a way for them. Everybody else looks into that and sees negativity. So it was kind of funny that me and Jimmy did what we did last night, because these chains right here represent the, the negativity and the oppression in our lives, right? People have a tendency to allow those chains to determine their identity, right? So we allow the negative in our life to tell us who we are. We allow the enemy to tell us who we are, when in reality it's God who gives us a chosen identity. It's God that in Genesis chapter 1 had given us the identity of male or female, made in his image. It's God in Ephesians that calls us his workmanship, his craftsmanship, right? So we're made in his image. We're made to be image bearers. So in Joshua, we see Joshua basically has zero preparation, right? Joshua didn't have some crazy intern program where he's going to take over for two and a half million Israelites and just be ready to take over. No, instead, what happens is Joshua is basically, don't think of like president, vice president with Moses. This is, this is Moses' like personal assistant, right? So... In secession, normally what happens with leadership is when a, a, a ruler dies, they're, they're second in command, right? Like they, and this time their 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 army, their image, you know, their their armor bearer would take over in that time. Joshua 
is probably at this point in time about 40 years old because we know him and Caleb are about the same age. And Caleb uh, is, is 85 when, when they get to the promised land. So at this point in time, we've got Joshua who is young. He's untested. We've got Joshua who is not prepared for what's going to happen in his life. And the enemy has told him exactly who he is, right? He, he's had these chains that have told him. So he was born in, in Egypt, but they would have left Egypt at a time when he was too young to remember Egypt. All he remembers is chains from Egypt. When he thinks of Egypt, this sound right here is what he hears. The, the, the freedom that me and you know, the freedom that me and you are able to just celebrate every single day is all that they've ever known. Now all of a sudden they go into the wilderness. So as, as a child, he would have these chains on him. All of a sudden, God has made the promise to Moses that they're going to leave that place, right? It was against all odds that they're able to actually get away from Pharaoh, right? It was against all odds that they go through the Red Sea to see parts for them and then crushes their enemy, right? It was against all odds that Joshua takes his people into the, the chosen land, right? Into the promised land, into the land of milk and honey that the other ten said, it will never happen. They're too strong for us. It's against those odds that Joshua is able to actually go in, see the walls of Jericho, and let me tell you how he takes them down. Not by force, but by prayer, by belief in God. They march around that thing deadly quiet for six days. But God says to them, you're not, like, don't make a noise, right? Like, I'm not meaning to be crude, but like, if you got a tooth, you better hold that thing in. Don't make a sound for six days, right? And on the seventh day, you're going to do the same thing and then once you've made that lap, I want you to yell. I want you to have the trumpets blasted. And I want you to make as much noise at those walls as you possibly can. So me and you, right, we know things, right? So what happens if we yell at a wall? Ah! Did, did the wall fall? No, I have faith in myself, right, that I can make that wall fall. But me and you, we know like common sense tells us I can yell at that wall and nothing's going to happen, right? So here's what happens though. The impossible is only impossible until it's possible. You're like, what does that mean? The impossible is only impossible until it happens, right? So the impossible is only something that can never occur until it occurs. Do you know who makes the impossible happen? God. So we have had, uh, you know, we've been in... in a message series that we called Vitals for five weeks where we looked at the heart and the identity of who we were as a church. So as we're preparing to go into our next message series, uh, I really felt like God was calling us to take a week and look at something different. So today we're looking at, 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 a, at a, a topic that I normally, like I came from a very legalistic Southern Baptist background. This was not something we talked about. The word miracles. You know why we didn't talk about it? Because what if it doesn't happen? You know, like, what, what, what would that make God look like if, if that don't make God look like anything? It looks like you didn't have the faith to believe for that miracle. So my thing is, we're going to be a church. City Grove Church is going to be a church that, that, that gathers, and we're not afraid to pray for miracles. There's a little girl that I, at the point in time, I think two weeks ago when I announced this to our crew, I said, you know what, guys, we're going to, we're going to examine something a little different. It's not what, what, what we usually do. It's not what we're used to. But God has really laid on a heart that we're going to pray for a miracle. And at that point in time, guess how much sense that made to me? 
I don't know if you could see from the back, but those are goose eggs. That made zero sense to me. But I knew God was, was telling me, as the shepherd, to have faith to believe for something that I didn't even know about yet. See, that song we, we sung, See a Victory. We're going to see a victory while we're in the middle of the battle, right? There's a little girl right now who I didn't know, who I had zero contact with, I had zero uh, you know, connection with, other than the fact that, that I think at one point in time in high school, me and her parents might overlap for like a year. But God told me we're going to look at something different, right? So as we're, we're preparing for that, like I'm, I'm, I pray up this message, and I keep praying for this message, and I keep thinking on this message, guys. And God told me it will present itself. It will present itself. And I'm like, okay, God. So what, what had happened was, I don't know how you know how presentation works, but how are you going to present a miracle? And the opportunity arises to us. There's a little girl named Adeline. Is that correct? Adeline. About three days ago, she's at school and literally just passes out, right? Like just falls unconscious. Her, her blood sugar, I think it's through the roof. She's unresponsive. Her lips turn blue. And she has to be airlifted because they don't even think they're going to have time to like transport her by EMS to the hospital. So they have to airlift this little girl. I don't know her, her parents work for Adam, but I, as this starts to happen, I start to like to like see my, my little wheels. I got little wheels, y'all. I'm a big boy, but I got little wheels. It's weird how that works. I see my little wheels start spinning. And I'm like, God, I think this is what you called us to pray for. So hold on to where we're at in Joshua 1 for a second here, but I gotta take you to Joshua chapter 10 and let you see something. Verse 12. If you, if you flip to Joshua 10 with us for a second, if not, I think I can put this bad boy up, maybe. Uh, oh, look at Jimmy. I'm, I'm unflipping your flip. But Joshua chapter 12 says, On the day the Lord gave over the Amorites to the children of Israel, Joshua spoke to the Lord and said in full view of Israel, Guys, Joshua is going to have the faith based on the, on the voice that he heard from God back in chapter 1, which was based off of the faith that God had in Moses back in Numbers chapter 14. Joshua had the faith before all of Israel. Look, look at your Bible right here. And he said, before all, it says here uh, in the NASB, that before the sons, that means sons and daughters, that means all people of Israel. 2.5 million people, he stands before them and says, God is going to deliver us from this. He's an unproven leader. He's untrained. He has no real skill set other than being sneaky, right? Like that's who we recruit as spies, as, as sneaky people, right? So he could blend in. Like that was his skill set is he could blend in. Now think of someone whose skill set is being able to blend in. Now they're standing before 2.5 million people. And he says before everybody, check this out, guys. Oh, son, stand still at Gibeon and oh, moon in the valley of Ajalon. Before everybody, guys, he stands in front of them. Never happened before, never happened since. He stands before them and says, hey, God, I trust you so much. I don't, I don't know if you, you would call this naive. He's so naive to think it could happen, but I call it faithful. He's faithful enough to believe that God can have it happen. He stands in front of everybody and says, God, make that sun stand still. 
I'm not going to give you the spoiler alert because we're going to go back to Joshua chapter 1. But I needed you to see the faith that he had to pray that in front of people. But we can't even pray for God to heal a toothache in front of nobody. What if it don't happen? They're going to make fun of my God. Take some time and pray, guys. Like, stop being so selfish that you're worried about what if I fail? What if, what if it doesn't happen the way that, that I wanted it to happen? Then maybe you ain't got the faith to believe God for what's supposed to happen. We looked at, on our Wednesday nights, we've been looking at Stephen. Anybody remember what happened to Stephen? He did, right? He was stoned for his belief. He was stoned for, for believing that, that he could spark something that was different, guys. When he prayed that prayer, do you think that Stephen's prayer to be a leader was, oh God, please kill me today? No, probably not how his prayer went, right? But it may have went something to the nature of God allow me to see change. God allowed her to be changed through me. And his life was offered as a sacrifice. He became what's known as the first martyr of the church. Remember, these guys were told by Jesus... Acts chapter 1 verse 8 to go and spread. Go and spread the gospel. Go and spread the good news. So what happened was they're in the upper room in Judea. And like cool things keep happening there, right? So if it keeps happening there, why, we, we're not ready to go and spread yet. I know you told us that, Jesus. I know you told us to go tell people, but it keeps happening here. So what if I leave my comfort zone? How many of us are afraid to leave our comfort zone? Maybe what's holding you back from a miracle in your life is your inability to leave your comfort zone. Your faith is what stops you from seeing miracles in your life. I hate to put it like that. It's not God's inability to deliver. It's your inability to ask for it. So I said, as I was preparing this message, guys, I said, you know what? Today, we're, we're going to have the faith to pray for God's intercession in this little girl's life. That we may not know the will, God. That we may, know, we may not know how things play out, God. But we're going to have the faith to pray to you as the king over all who knows how it's supposed to play out. So we're going to surrender this into your hands, God. That you'll not just deliver this little girl, but that you'll touch her parents, God. That you'll give them comfort, God. That however it may play out, God, that we know that it was in your will. See, a lot of people are afraid of that prayer. If, I, if, I'm too, you know, if I'm faithful enough to believe God for the impossible, what if it doesn't happen? Well, what if your little mind is too small to gather, to gather the fact that it happens? Life just don't always happen the way that you want it. Your perception might be affecting your ability to see a miracle. So we go back to Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. Three times, three times this is going to be delivered. Watch these three times on this promise, guys. Be strong and courageous. For you shall provide the land that I swore to their fathers. Speaking of, of the Israelites with Moses. So you guys are going to see the inheritance that I promised to the fathers. Verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. In order to act carefully in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Watch this. Do not turn aside from it to the right or the left so that you may succeed wherever you go. This book of the law must not depart from your mouth. He says be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. 
You're going to have to remain faithful to me. Look right here in your Bible. I promise you, go to chapter 1 of Joshua. It doesn't say, and it's just going to be easy. He says, be strong and very courageous and be faithful. Be strong and very courageous and seek me. It's just like Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Y'all, this, this one gets me. Everybody wants to, you know, oh, for the plans you have for me, God. They don't want to see the 70 years in Babylon. They don't want to see the struggle. They don't want to see verse 12 where God says, and you've got to keep praying to me. You've got to keep calling on me. You've got to keep having the faith to believe. Everybody just wants verse 11. It's the same right here. Everybody just wants verse 6, the beginning. Be strong and courageous. Well, God, I'm quick for that. I know how to be. You're scared of the dark. Hush. They want verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Well, God, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm equipped for that. You're scared of snakes. I'm talking about myself. Hush. Verse 8. This book of the law must not depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may act carefully according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way successful and you will be wise. Have I not commanded you? He's already said it twice. Guess what, guys? He's going to say it again because we know God works in threes. We've seen that all through the book of Acts as we study on Wednesday nights. God delivers in those, in those prayers in three, right? So again, we see it. Be strong and courageous. God takes it a step further here this time. Do not be afraid or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go. Have I not commanded you? This verse is going to keep being prevalent to us. We saw it first appear back in Numbers chapter 14. It's going to keep occurring. It's going to keep seeing us today in our message as we continue into chapter 10. Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So what it doesn't say is God is only with you in places that you can be successful in your eyes. Right? It doesn't say, for God is with you in the places where only other good people are. It doesn't say, God is with you only in the places where you can achieve the average. No, it says, be strong and courageous, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Everywhere, guys. So maybe the reason you're not seeing miracles in your life is you're not carrying God with you everywhere you go. Your shame might be holding you back from seeing what God has called on your life. Your fear might be holding you back from the things that God has called on your life. Your worry, your anxiety may be holding you back today from the things that God has already promised on your life. Now we go to chapter 10. Verse 1 is the, this is the setup, guys. This is the setup for a comeback. Anybody ever had a setup for a comeback in your life? Think about that phrase, the setup for a comeback. What does that mean? It means you've got to be knocked on your butt. See, I'm going to give you a little, a little precursor of what's just happened back verse uh, chapter 7, 6 or 7. We've got Jericho walls coming down. Chapter 8, we've got I being taken down. This is a large place, right? Strongest warriors maybe in the world. In chapter 9, we have this place called Gideon. Gideon is even bigger than I. AI, I, not, not me. Everything's bigger than me, y'all. 
as my five-year-old says, you ain't bigger than God. I'm like, you know what? You got it right, son. I can't say nothing to you on that one. So in chapter 9, we have the Gibeonites who trick Israel. See, God told the Israelites, don't put the brakes on. You keep stepping over the throats because I've already delivered you from it, right? He said, wherever you may go. So the Gibeonites, they think they're going to be real slick. They didn't watch them take down I, and I was big, and they had strong warriors. But Gibeon, man, they're stronger. They're bigger. They have more power. And they see the power of, of, of God in Israel, and you know what they do? They dress up as foreigners in their little shawls, and they go and visit Joshua. And they say, hey, we're your neighbors. And Joshua's like, you kind of look like the Gibeonites. And they're like, no, 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 we're from further away. And he's like, so what do you call your neighbors? And they say, but we're weak, so make a treaty with us that you'll never hurt us. So Joshua agrees, and Joshua makes this, this treaty. Even though he's also made a treaty with God to step on all the throats, guys, to take over the promised land because it's promised to these people of Israel. So we have a dilemma. Would you, would you say we have a dilemma? He's got his promise to God, but now he's made this promise to people, right? Everybody look at me for a second. People are going to go against you to stand in the will of God. Your answer, your faithfulness will be displayed by how you respond. Can you be faithful to both? Yeah, but they're directly, you, just, just wait. God has a way of making everything work out, guys. So verse 1, now that you know what, you know, you know what I'm saying? We've gotten you called up on Joshua so far. It kind of plays out like a soap opera. So we got Joshua chapter 10. Verse 1, now King Adoni Sadiq of Jerusalem. Hey, y'all know that place, Jerusalem, right? That New Testament. I know that place. Heard that Joshua captured Ai and destroyed it. Doing to Ai and its king as he had done to Jericho and its king. Uh, spoiler alert, he not only dominated, he killed their kings. So there's that. And how the inhabitants of Gideon of Gibeon had made a peace with Israel. Guys, your success threatens your enemies. Did you know that? When people see you do good, they want to figure out how to do you bad. When people see you on the top, they want to figure out how to bring you back down to themselves. People can't just, predominantly, people can't just be happy to see you doing well. Okay? Do you know what we're called to do as children of God? Be happy to see other people doing well. That's like this crazy conundrum in your head that everything fleshly about you wants to be better than other people, right? You're in, like, competition. So, men, let me just put this out there. My wife has maybe seen me do this and been guilty of this. You, you pull up to a red light. Did you hear my wife from the back, guys? And you gun it. Like, the person beside you does not know you're racing. Look, I see every wife, every wife's eyes in this whole room just turned. I got, I got Jacqueline looking and she's like, Alex, it's a minivan, baby. So every wife in here just, just looked at their husband like, you see what happens, guys? We get competitive even when the people with us don't know they're in competition. You're like, the wife is like, if it was a Prius, baby. Yeah, well, it could have had a turbo supercharger Prius. You don't know, right? Like, you want to be in competition. So in, in that way, you're much like King Adoni Zadik. That's not a good thing in case y'all didn't know. Yes. Verse 2. 
he and his people were very afraid. Gibeon was a large city, like one of the royal cities, and it was larger than I. And all its men were warriors. Hold on for a second. So Gibeon is bigger than the last place that the Israelites had taken down. And all their men were warriors. But they saw the willpower of God through Israel. And you know what they said? Hey, let's trick them because they'll come and dominate us. This is the same people who the ten other spies came into and said, they're too big, they're too strong, we'll never do it. While everybody else was saying no, Joshua and Caleb had the faith to tell Moses yes. Was it because they were skilled and well trained? They were spies, they were sick. Right? So every time that you think of Joshua, I want you to keep that in mind. He wasn't some big brawny guy, he was sneaky. He was able to, to actually see Rahab. She was a prostitute, guys. And she ends up in the lineage of Jesus. Think about that. She takes the red strand, puts it on her house so that they know not to attack that place. That same red strand becomes the bloodline of Christ. Think about that, guys. While everybody else is busy telling you what you can do, while everybody else is busy telling you what you can accomplish, while everybody else is, is defining you by the chains that are on your life, God has given you a new identity. In 2 Corinthians, it says, in Christ you were given a new identity. You are a new creation, guys. But you're too worried about what everybody else thinks. Look at me for a second. You're never going to have a miracle that way. Like I hate to put it to you. hate to be the naysayer here. If you don't have the faith in God to believe, God is not going to have the trust in you to see it happen. And that sucks to hear, right? Was that, like a, that was like a kick in the throat to anybody else. Because that was a kick in the throat as I was preparing this. And God told me, if you don't have the faith to stand up and proclaim it, how am I supposed to deliver on it? Right? How can I deliver on something if you don't want to see it happen? Verse 3. So, King, we're going to count them together, guys. There's going to be five, I promise y'all. So we've got King, Adonis, and Deep. One. Y'all can feel free. Like, this is like, this is cooperation, right? Like, this is participation. I don't believe in participation awards, but like, this is a place where we need participation here. King Hoham of Hebron. Two. Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> King Pyram of Jarmuth. Three. King Japhia of Lashish. Four. And King Debir of Eglon. Five. That's right, Cinco. <clears throat> Come and help me. So he calls. These are the, the western kings. These are the Amorites. These are the western Canaanites. Jesus spent time in the same area. If Joshua never achieves this victory, Jesus is going to be in, in a place that is occupied by the enemy. Think about that. Hold on to that, right? This is years and years and years, uh, maybe older than my grandma number of years. I hope she watches this and calls me and tells me. This is a lot of years before, right? Anybody ever did phonics? Like, you were hooked on phonics? 
Let's sound this out. Joshua. Joshua. There you go. Y'all are talking in church. Look at this. Yeshua. Anybody? Does that name ring a bell to anybody? Does that sound familiar to anybody? Yeshua. Jesus. Joshua. Yeshua. Jesus. It's the same name. Different language, same name, guys. Anybody know what Jesus' name actually meant? Yahweh is salvation. The promise was delivered. So I, I read in one of my little study Bibles that there was no Messianic promises in the book of Joshua. And I thought to myself, this is a Reformed study Bible, and this is incorrect. See, the name in itself was the Messianic promise. They said there's no Messianic promises in, in Joshua. Rahab is directly in the line of Jesus, guys. While everybody else was busy naysaying, God was busy working through the least of these. Verse 5, so the kings, the five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, you, you guys are allowed to count here, Jerusalem. One. This is, you know what, this is awesome. I love your excitement level. If I could just get like you guys on Sunday mornings, God might do something through me. Let's try this again and let's act like God is actually going to do something in our lives. So we have the kings of Jerusalem. Right. Okay, guys, my name's not anywhere out here and it doesn't say Baptist anywhere. You're allowed to shout back at me. Jerusalem. Right. Okay, this is not going anywhere. I got this. It's fine. Hebron. Two. Jarmuth. Three. Lashish. Four. Eglon. Five. Get back to yourself around the walls. It was spoken church. And guess what? The walls didn't fall and nobody died. It was crazy how that worked, right? And all their enemies gathered, advanced, and camped against Gibeon. So wait a minute, guys. This isn't good. It's the five kings. But it's even worse. So it's the five kings mounting up, but also all of their enemies. So the five are just brave enough to throw their hats in the ring. Oh, we're going we're gonna to dominate Israel. On this day, there will be no more Israel. But all their enemies are there, guys. Camped against Gibeon. Then they waged war against it. All right, now let's go back to God's promise and our promise to people. And let's see how they can coincide here, guys. I promise in 10 minutes we're going to make this whole thing wrap together. You're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. The men of Gibeon sent this message to Joshua at the Gilgal settlement. So Gibeon, these were the same guys that tricked Israel, right? Because they didn't want these hands. Now you can laugh a little bit. Look, now you guys have spoke and laughed in church. Think about that. This is like the best day ever for you. Do not abandon your slaves. Come up to us quickly. Save us. Help us. For all the Amorite kings living in the hill country had gathered against us. Guys, I think that, that Gibeon might be in, they might be in the, in the need for a miracle. What do you guys think? Maybe your life today is in need of a miracle. But you're too afraid to be Joshua there in chapter 12, in verse 12, right? Maybe you need a miracle, but you're afraid to claim that miracle that's already yours. 
Why is it yours? Because God has delivered it. What did God say in Numbers chapter 14? Okay, you guys have great memories. He said he's with you, right? That nobody can stand against you. What did he say in Joshua chapter 1? Same thing. Oh, that's right. I heard somebody back there say he said the same thing. Now he's going to say it again here in Joshua chapter, chapter 10. Let's look at verse 8 together, guys. The Lord said to Joshua. This is going to sound really familiar because you've heard it before. You, you got it? Like, you know me? It's going to sound familiar. It's like, remember that word, guys? Months ago, what, what was that word? Deja vu. So I had never had deja vu occur to me. And then since that time, it has happened like 46 times. It's almost like I've spoken into existence. The Lord said to Joshua, it's going to sound familiar, remember? Do not be afraid of them, for I have given them into your hand. And he goes a step further. Not a single man can stand before you. It'll pop up on your screen real quick. Do not be afraid of them, the Lord said to Joshua, for I have given you the victory. Anybody remember the song that we sang? It's almost like we pick things for a reason, right? That God has never lost a battle. That we were going to see the victory while we were in the middle of the battle. This applies right here to Joshua. This applies right here to what are called the angel armies. This is Israel having the victory in the middle of the battle. Think of how, how much you would not be afraid to do if you could already see the victory in the middle of the battle. What if you lived your life like every battle was the start of the next greatest event in your life? Look at chapter, verse 9 real quick. Then Joshua came up to them suddenly, having marched all night, How far y'all think they marched? A little bit, like, like a mile right now. 15 miles they march. Guys, I ain't built for 15 miles. I ain't built for a mile. I ain't built to run my car and it's the one right outside the window. But if God has delivered me, all of a sudden I can run 15 miles. So they marked, I know you guys are looking at me like, I don't know, that one sounds like a miracle, Kelly. So I've, I've, I've preached this, this passage of Scripture a dozen times. I've read this passage of Scripture a hundred times. And it was only when we were preparing for a miracle that God showed me, you're seeing the big one, right? You're seeing the big miracle. You're seeing that sun stand still in the sky. But there are three miracles that occur. And you're so focused on the big one that you don't see my faithful to deliver the two smaller ones. And I'm like, uh-uh, where are they at? I have these conversations with God. They sound just like that. You guys probably don't believe me, but they really occur just like that. So we're going to see the first one. They march all night from Jogal. That's not the miracle. That's just the setup for the comeback, guys. The Lord panicked to them, this being the five Amorite kings. You're like, okay, so they're panicked. No, 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 no. They have total chaos to the point they're running into each other. They're falling. They're stumbling. Like something that only God could do. We saw what happened to Saul off the horse. He was literally knocked off his high horse by a light. Historians say something similar probably happened to the Amorite people, the five kings and their armies, because they're just so blinded 
that they're running into each other. And what surrounds them? Two and a half million people. Think about that. The Lord panicked them before Israel. What's Gibeon doing? Nothing. They're cowards. They have the greatest warriors, and they're cowards. Think about that. So this big guy who tells you everything you can't do, who's so strong in his own eyes, right? What's he doing? Not squat, but he's talking junk about you while you're believing God for the impossible. The Lord panicked them before Israel. They struck them with overwhelming force at Gibeon. So I went and kind of looked at the history books and looked at the way that they came in. Guys, when, when the Israel, when the army came in, they would have came in at sunrise and the sun would have been behind them. Holy cow! Remember how historians said some blinding light probably dazed them? So it said that it would have probably looked like the, it would have looked from an appearance-wise like these guys were literally coming out of the sun and attacking them. Like that, that, sound, that don't sound good for you like for the other guys, right? That, that sounds kind of bad. Like you, you might lose this one. Then Israel pursued them on the road that rises to Beth Horon and struck them down as far as Azekiah and Machedah. I go and look. This is the possibility of about a 40-mile chase. They just marched 15 miles all through the night. They've got these guys literally like running for their lives. And Joshua says, God, you told me that not a, not a single one of them could stand against you. We just need a little more sunlight, right? Like we're running for our lives chasing these guys. We just need a little more sunlight. This is the setup for a comeback, guys. I told you guys, when, when King Adonis Zadik right there in, chat, in verse 1 was trying to gather the armies against God, that was a setup, right? So follow this. Verse 11 tells us, As they fled from Israel on the downslope from Beth Horon, the Lord hurled large hailstones. Miracle number two. In the middle of, of a desert, in the middle of the day, and hailstones just start flying from the sky. They have blinding light. They have hailstones. Guys, I don't know how I've read this a hundred times and never gathered that these were, were miracles until I realized we have this propensity that we only want to see the big things, right? Like we just want to see fireworks. Anybody ever go to like a concert or a baseball game? Like the game is cool, yeah, it was a Friday night. You want the fireworks at the end. You might have seen another hitter. That didn't stick out to you. What you remember is the fireworks, right? You only want to see the big things. That's how we can believe God, but we don't even have the, the faith to pray to God for those things. We want to see something we don't have the faith to pray for. Mm, I heard somebody, mm, on that one. I don't know where that came from, but I feel you, brother or sister. They died. <laughs> Dead. They died, and in fact, more died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Remember we had this five versus two battle and then one of the two was like, yeah, y'all got this. Right? Gibeon. There are these big strong warriors and they're like, yeah, yeah, you got it. If you all die, then we're still us. We're good. We'll just 
be cowards and make another treaty with somebody else. Huh. And on that day, the Lord gave over the Amorites to the children of Israel. And Joshua spoke to the Lord. Here, here's our verse 12. Anybody remember this? This is where strong, bold prayers give us the faith for miracles. Do you know how you achieve a miracle? Not by writing it on a piece of paper and putting it in your wallet. Yeah, I'm faithful. I wrote it down. Hey, if that's, if that's a step of faith for you, right on. It's better than keeping it in your head. But if you really want to believe God for a miracle, you've got to declare it. Joshua spoke to the Lord and said a full, in full view of Israel. So he said it bold and in front of everyone. But if it doesn't happen, then we can just get laugh. They're going to laugh at us. They're going to laugh at you either way. True. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're going to laugh at you either way. I'd rather side on the side with God. Okay? Because God's kind of, in the words of my five-year-old, you're not bigger than God. Okay? You're not. That's how he says it, exactly like that. You're not bigger than God. You're not. I'm like, okay, man. Now that you made me feel this big today. Sun stands still over Gideon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. Verse 13. So if you're going to have the faith to pray for your miracle, then you need to have the faith to stand there when your miracle happens. Don't run and say, well, God, you started it, so you got this. You have to stay in prayer. You have to stay and meditate on it. Remember we saw that back in Joshua chapter 1. It didn't say that you're going to see miracles and then you can just, you know, in, in football they call it, you know, kind of pumping the brakes a bit. You, you start to just run the ball more. No, 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 no. The God that we serve says keep throwing the ball. The God that we serve says keep your foot on the gas pedal. Don't slow down. The God that we serve says miracles happen when you have the faith to pray for it. Today, in front of God and everybody right here, we're going to pray for a miracle for that little girl. Because we know that whatever happens, God ultimately has his hands in it. We know that God ultimately stands on the other side of that miracle. And it may not occur the way me and you think. And it may not occur the way me and you want. But God, when he has the faith for miracles... God has the trust to deliver. My God is strong. Verse 13. So the sun stood through still. There's our miracle number three. There's the big one. By the sun standing still, they're able to keep their foot on the gas. Completely wipe out the enemy army. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? I'm going to show you something in a second because I know you're saying, oh, that sounds like a good story, Kevin. But that's a good story. Keep on this reference here for the book of Jashar. The sun stood still in the middle of the sky and did not set for about a full day. Verse 14. There has never been a day like this either before or after it. When the Lord obeyed a man. I like that the BSB actually translates this as the Lord listened to the voice of a man. 
we had the faith to ask and God had the trust to deliver. Are you going to have the faith in your life to ask so that God can deliver? If not, I, I, don't, I don't want to hear your home home anymore. Well, I've got it so bad. Are you praying? No, but i got it so bad. I can't get this thing to happen or that thing to happen. Well, are you praying? Are you fasting? Are you, are you taking it to God? No. Why are you coming to me? We've got to have the faith to see God for the impossible. Verse 14, again, it says, There has not been another day like this before or after it when the Lord obeyed a man. For the Lord waged war for Israel. They had the faith to believe. They had the faith. Joshua had the faith to stand there and ask. So God had the trust to deliver. Verse 15, Then Joshua and all of Israel with him returned into the settlement in Jogal. Spoiler alert, anybody want to know what happens after this? The five kings are literally like holding out in a cave. So Joshua was, you know, he just let them go, right? Doesn't have a happy ending for those five guys. We can't stand in the wheel against God. I'm going to bring uh, Haley and, and Jessica up real quick. Are they still with the kids? Okay, well, I'm going to bring Jessica up real quick. We'll change the plans. I'm going to bring Tiffany up with us real quick. Tiffany, I'm not going to make you sing unless you want to sing. If you want to sing, let's sing. But we're going we're gonna to bring you up for a second. I got this little box. See, come on, girls. See, the way all this works nowadays is there's this thing called COVID. Anybody else tired of hearing that word? I think there's got enough people praying for miracles and believing. We'd rather fight over whether to wear a mask or not wear a mask. We'd rather fight over a vaccine or not the vaccine. Notice nowhere in that process that we have. Look, Tiffany's stuck with whatever reason. He doesn't wear a mask. <laughs> nowhere in this do we have the faith to believe God, right? So, are we still going, Jimmy? Okay, I just want to make sure we're still going. We're going to have the faith today that, that Tiffany is actually the one that, that brought this, this need up before me. See, I've been kind of seeing it all along, kind of on, on the backside of things, and God telling me that you guys are going to pray for something, but I don't know what it is, but God's like, just wait, I'm going to bring it. And on Friday, Thursday, Friday, I thought I knew what we were praying for, and God was like, no, 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 let me clarify. This is what you're praying for. And I'm like, God, look how faithful you are. So today, we're going to stand. Tiffany's going to stand on behalf of this family. They, they're not going to let us in the hospital to go and do this, right? They're not going to. COVID sucks. Look, all of a sudden, you guys were afraid to count to five, but I, I bet you you would say that like with confidence, right? Like, yeah, yeah, COVID sucks, man. COVID sucks, but our God is good. So real quick, look at, look at how old school I am. I'm going to take my hat off for this. We're going to pray, and Tiffany's going to stand on behalf of this little girl, Adeline. And, like, I understand social distancing and whatnot. Tiffany, I'm going to be all up in your space. I'm sorry for a second. But what I want from everybody else is just lift your hand and believe that when we pray this prayer, guys, that we believe for the impossible, that God will have his hand, that God 
will do exactly what it is. Don't be laughing at my hair. I see Biscuit Judge me. My hairline's still, it's still there a little bit. We're going to have the faith to believe God for the impossible. The impossible don't always look like what we want. The impossible don't always look like what we expect. But we're going to have the, the faith, we're going to have the confidence to pray regardless. In spite of our thoughts, in spite of our needs, in spite of how we think things should look. So real quick, we just anoint you with some oil real quick. I'm going to try not to gag you too much. We're going to cook you up like some fried chicken. That's the most crooked cross that I've ever drawn in my entire life. So everybody, if you would, stand with us real quick. We're going to have the faith and the confidence to pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, I just pray that today, Lord, you would lift up this little girl, God. That we may not be able to be there with her in person, Lord, but that we're here with her in spirit, God. And that we see you in this opportunity, Lord. That we see you in this place, Lord. That we feel your presence, God. That we know only you are the God of the impossible, Lord. That only you are the God to make miracles occur, Lord. That miracles don't always look the way we want, God. That miracles don't always look the way we expect, God. That but we know you are faithful to deliver in spite of all odds, God. You are faithful to deliver in spite of all obstacles, God. That you are the God of heavenly armies, Lord. And we just pray that today you would touch this little girl, God. That you would touch her family, God. That you would deliver healing to her, Lord. That you would deliver healing to her brothers and sisters, Lord, who are worried for their baby sister who are worried for their big sister, God, that they know that you are present in all things, God. And we pray that today we be with them in spirit, God. That as we stand here and we pray over Tiffany, God, that we know this stands, she stands as a bridge to this little girl, God. And we, we know that in this place, Lord, all the prayers that are being lifted up are going directly to you, God. That they're being heard by you, God. That you're the number that when you call, God, you always answer, Lord. And I just pray in this place, Lord, that you would just... Have a, a special touch, Lord, that you would just have a special healing. In your heavenly gracious name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song one more time, guys. It's going to sound very familiar because you've heard it before. This time I want you to sing alone. And I want you to sing like, like miracles are going to happen. Not just in that little girl's life, that, that in this place, that while you're singing this song, that you have the faith to stand before all of God's people and declare your miracle in your life. I just pray that today you not leave this place carrying whatever burden you brought in. See, the really, the, the great part of church, the great place that is church and the body of believers is that we come together and we leave behind all of our worries, all of our concerns, and we lay them at the feet of Jesus. If you're someone who needs to do that today, anything in this place is an altar. We've declared this whole place holy. You go find your place and you just pray to God today. If you need to declare it, you lift your hands and you shout it to the Lord. But we're going to believe God for a miracle today.